0: Welcome to all our listeners, and thanks for joining us again on the Cybersecurity Transformation Podcast. I'm JC Geldard. I'm the founder and managing director of Corex Partners, and today we're going to go back um, to a topic we've discussed several times on the podcast, both in this series and the and and. The- the, the previous series our first series last year and that's the topic of gdpr and gdpr compliance so i'm delighted to have Bostian makarovic from a fire back with me on this episode Bostian, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners very quickly yeah, sure. Thank you very much um, for for
1: the invite. Um, so I'm managing partner of Afaya. Um We are a consultancy dealing with specifically data protection, privacy, and telecoms. Um, from the regulatory perspective, um, we've been around uh, since 2010. And otherwise, I've been sort of approaching the field of um, data protection and telecoms uh, both from commercial and um, academic perspective Um, so it's it's definitely something that has uh, determined me a lot
0: thank you boston obviously you 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 were with me on the the previous uh, episode on 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 this topic in this uh, second series generally in the previous episodes in the series we, we we have focused mostly on enforcement and enforcement matters you know the role of regulators the number of fines the volume of fines the impact of the downgrading of the 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 the, the British Airways and the Marriott fines for example by the British ICO and things like that but last year we've seen something else which we briefly mentioned at the end of the last podcast which is very much a landmark event and that's of course what, what's been called the Schrems II uh, ruling, which effectively rendered the EU-US uh, privacy shield unlawful, uh, then and, and frankly, it's been casting a, a, a shadow uh, since last July over the, the lawfulness of the, the data transfers between the EU and, and the US. We've got a situation here which is still unfolding. Um, we've started to see a number of elements coming out since late last year, at the beginning of this year, our guidance from the European Data Protection Board. We've seen some precedents emerging as well around the interpretation of the ruling. It's still early days with things are still unfolding, at least that's the way it feels to me. Mm-hmm. I would like to try to give our listeners some practical advice on on what to do next or what not to do as much as as much as we can, really as practical as as guidance can be in such uh, an evolving context. So that's a little bit the focus of this podcast today. Where should we start? Shall we start with the guidance from the um, European Data Protection Board? What do, you, what do you think it tells us in a nutshell and, and how mm-hmm. practical is it really?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, um, first of all, we always tell um, our clients that they are currently no watertight solutions for data transfers to the US. So essentially, um, you might be doing it lawfully, but it's difficult to get an ultimate answer, whether you are doing it lawfully or not, um, unless the whole thing gets investigated, unless you raise it with a data protection authority. Um, So um, that makes it very difficult because um, most people, most businesses, are used to very casual transfers of data to the U.S. Um, in terms of what to do and what is the what what is the guidance, we can, of course, pick up something from the um, EDPB opinion. Um, we can also, and their and their recommendation, we can also um, pick up some hints from the decisions. That we have seen from our some European data protection authorities and the courts. Um, now, um, first of all, um, it, what the Schrems decision says, and what is really reflected in all of those decisions. So we haven't seen any, you know, at first glance, completely unreasonable decisions. Um, uh, from from the DPA, although of course when someone you know tells us oh they prohibited all transfers to the US, that sounds unreasonable. but there are hardly any decisions I'm not at least I'm not aware of any that would very plainly say that. Um, the, the ultimate answer, and that's very important to know, the standard contractual clauses can still be used. however, on their own, they are not enough. Um, so you need to to uh, perform a thorough assessment of what is happening, and based on that, you can determine what other mechanisms um, could be used to keep the data safe. Um, perhaps the most sophisticated, and um, uh, and probably the most practically applicable example how you can do it um, is. Um, uh, french uh, judicial ruling on aws which at the same time of course um, includes some elements from the edpb um, from the edpb uh, guidance notably the question of encryption so essentially it's a it's a very simple practical example you can export the data you can transfer the data based on the scc but if the encryption key is not held um, in the US, if the encryption key is held um, locally, you know, it's something, for example, you could use to argue that, um, you know, like um, the data is safe and you are okay to, to transfer the data based on, on standard contract clauses. Of course, um, that only works for services that can <laughs> operate in a wholly encrypted manner. Um, and. That is, that is interesting because we just had this discussion before. I can only think of storage services as those that can perform, where, whereby the, the service provider can, can perform the entire service on encrypted data alone. Anything else, you know, analytics, um, uh, or if you have an outsourced support team in the US, that will not work. However, there is another hint from the EDPB, which might be helpful, uh, and that is pseudonymization. So, for example, if you do have an outsource team, or you do have an analytics tool um, that performs uh, performs data operations in the US, if you pseudonymize the data, that might perhaps be enough because you have exported the data in a way that cannot be linked to individuals without some other data. Sounds quite common sense. And we have to keep in mind that the, the, um, those data protection authorities that have prohibited transfers altogether, there was, of course, no hint of any such solutions. Of course, whether it's practical for everyone, yeah, unfortunately, it's not. We have to keep in mind. That's why, you know, like we are saying, those solutions that sound like watertight are not always applicable and are not always practical.
0: Yeah, and of course, always the the, the devil is in the detail in all those issues, mm-hmm. because in particular, in the French case you mentioned around AWS, there were a number of, of, of peculiarities around the case, the, the, the the, for example the the the, the judiciary authority uh, rejected the fact that the data was sensitive. It was vaccination exactly. data. Yeah. Uh, but they uh it was just plain vaccination data, the fact mm-hmm. that you would have your vaccination at that place on that date. And it mm-hmm. was not it was rejected as, as sensitive. And yeah. and also um, the, the, there was a clause in the contract between, you correct me if I'm wrong on this, but there was mm-hmm. a clause in the contract between the EU subsidiary of AWS yeah. and AWS in the US, which would have provided the EU subsidiary an opportunity to challenge any demand coming from its parent company to mm-hmm. provide either data or uh, encryption keys. Uh, so th- th- there, there were a number of very particular cases here. But the the, the, the AWS case in France, nevertheless, is a positive case uh, around how you can navigate around Shrems 2 and, 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 and how you can continue to operate. But there is a more interesting case in, in Germany um, which is not as positive, which is the case mm-hmm. with the the, uh, the data protection authority in Bavaria, which yeah. has plainly and simply asked one company to stop using Mailchimp.
1: Yeah, that is uh, that is an interesting one uh, because um, it's really like saying um, pretty much. Um, you are not allowed to do it because it's in the US. Um, But again, of course, um, whether it was, whether the authority was wrong to do it, um, probably not because there were no additional safeguards, right? So, um, so it's it's really so much about um, something that we perceive as immediately unreasonable, you know, like actually does have some um, some ground um, in um, in the um, in the shrimps to um, a judgment. An interesting point that you mentioned there about the the contract terms in the AWS case. Um, something even more um, even more prominent uh, could be seen in the, in the Microsoft decision. The first came the Microsoft decision, the decision of the Microsoft company essentially saying we are going to fight for you. We are going to fight against any um, any um, uh, requests to submit uh, data um, in the U.S. Uh, to the U.S. authorities without um, without appropriate um, uh, due process. So that's that. And then ultimately, their next step is like, yeah, we are actually going to move uh, our storage um, to the EU. So we have these interesting things of. Corporations actually being able to to fight um, to fight governments on behalf of their uh, of their customers because of course their customers are not strong enough to do it um, uh, themselves um, and yeah at the same time a little bit of the trade war elements right it's like if we if we interpret it in a cynical way we could as well say well that's a good way to get more. More um, uh, cloud business um, into Europe.
0: Yes, I guess, I guess, and and I suspect many organizations will be considering data residency uh, options yep. at the moment. Mm-hmm. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's it's, uh, it's probably the right thing to do for many. Um, Bastian, wh- where do we go from there? Wh- what's the what, what do we want to leave our listeners with practically? What, what's the what's the best thing to do or not to do? Do you mm-hmm. think in the current context? Mm-hmm.
1: I think, first of all, the first, and that is really also the first step according to the EDPB um, recommendation. Um, make sure that you know what you are doing. We we still have a situation with loads of companies not knowing what they are doing, not knowing what they are happening, learning about their data transfers as they go. We still have loads of providers that you know, like whose identity online is difficult to determine. It's difficult to determine where they are established, be it the UK, uh, the EU, or or the US. It's it's just impossible. And then suddenly you find out when you do some research that they are actually based, you know, in a in a country without even you know, like in any way giving you anything. So make sure that you know to whom you are sending your data that is the, the first thing because one thing that um, we've learned um, always the dpas are way stricter with companies that or other um, controllers that clearly demonstrate that they don't know what they are doing if you know what they are what you are doing if you know why you are doing it you are less likely to get fined but of course you might still get an order telling you to stop using certain software. It can happen. It's a huge problem because it can be super arbitrary. The huge problem is also that it will be inevitably considering the number of, you know, like looking at the scale of exports, you know, like um, to the US right now, and the small number of decisions by, by the authorities, it's showing you how arbitrary it is. But then at the same time, it's important to be ready and it's important not to get cynical about it because um, it's still uh, something you have to exercise due diligence in. So learn what you're doing, who are your processors, where are they based, what data are you sending to them? Is it special categories of data or just ordinary data? And then act accordingly. Do you have standard contracting terms in place, standard contract clauses in place? Um, do you uh, do you have an agreement with them or is it something that you accepted online? And then also check what other safeguards might be required. Is there an option for encryption? Is there an option for pseudonymization? Um, quite, op- quite often for encryption, as we said earlier, Difficult one, uh, if you are, if anything else but storage is happening out there. However, pseudonymization is something that is underused. It's been GDPR has suggested an, pseudonymization since 2018, and yet still companies don't use it enough. So perhaps that's something to consider. Can you manage, uh, you know, at least with some services with pseudonymized data just to reduce the privacy risks? There are no watertight solutions, but there are solutions that will significantly reduce the risk and also make you look way less, um, you know, like <laughs> negligent, arrogant in the eyes of the regulators and your customers as
0: well. Yes. Thanks, chen Let's leave it there. I think that's a good way to end the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to follow on. What you've just said take it seriously take it seriously i think that's probably the the, the core message mm-hmm. here we want to, our, our listeners to, uh, to 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 uh, to go away with listen thank you so much once again for your insight and thank you very uh, much We will probably follow up on, on the podcast with additional episodes i suspect given the depth of the topic but once again thank you thank you to all our listeners and you. um Really, we look forward to uh, continuing that discussion somehow on, uh, on on future episodes. Thank you, Bastian.